Hi everyone, I'm Vaishnavi Ladda. I'm currently in my second year uh, studying animation and film design at the National Institute of Design, Ahmedabad. And uh, I will be your host for the day. For those of you all who are new to Bate, Bate, which translates to a conversation, is the National Institute of Design's unique interactive platform to learn and share. And today we have with us Rohan Chakravarti. Welcome to Bate, Rohan. Thank you, Vaishnavi. Uh, I started my career with animation and I always wanted to be, uh, you know, an NID student back then. Uh, this was 10 years back. So this is a very yeah. special opportunity. It feels like a wild card entry into the institute. So thank you for <laughs> making this happen. Yeah, well, it's our pleasure to have you. Uh, all right. So, so before we dive in, I'll just briefly introduce Rohan. Uh, notorious for rolling up into a ball like a pangolin to avoid answering the phone or meeting people. Rohan is a cartoonist, illustrator, and the creator of Green Humor, hailing from Nagpur, the tiger capital of the world. Green Humor is a series of cartoons, comics, and illustrations on wild animals, wildlife, and nature mm -hmm. conservation, environment, sustainability, and all things green. Green Humor is possibly the largest collection of cartoons on wildlife and the environment on the web. Cartoons from Green Humor have appeared in Sanctuary Asia, National Geographic Traveler, and Tinkle Digest, among others. They also periodically appear in multiple publications, including the Hindu Sunday Magazine, Go Comics, and Midday. Illustrations from Green Humor have also been used for several conservation campaigns and publications by organizations such as the Worldwide Fund for Nature and the Wildlife Trust of India, to name a few. Welcome once again to Bhati Rohan. Uh, let's begin. Let's begin the session. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Right. Thanks a lot. Please. So to start with, um, can you give us an insight into your journey to Green Humor and how you established this brand? I, I wouldn't call it a brand. It's just a series of cartoons and illustrations yeah, that I deal with uh, nature, uh, wildlife, ecology, all things green, basically. And, uh, you know, that's something I was uh, always, I always had a dormant interest until it was triggered into action after I saw my first tigress in the wild. This was way back in 2005. I was studying to be a dentist. Uh, uh, okay. Midway, I figured out it wasn't for me. I, after finishing my degree, I uh, started training for a, a career in animation. I made uh, animated advertisements for for a film studio in Bangalore for three years, and uh, only after that did I take the plunge into full-time cartooning. Uh, so it's been a very long and a very meandering journey. And like I said, I, at one point I was also considering enrolling into NID. Uh, I don't know whether for good or, or for bad, it, it never happened. But yeah, I, I can't complain. Uh, I'm really enjoying uh, the stage of my, uh, my career I'm in right now. And, and yeah, uh, uh, it's been an exciting year in terms of work. That's great to know. It's quite interesting that you moved from dentistry to cartooning. That's quite a different job. Yeah, uh, I was just saying that it's been a very meandering journey. And I think it's a story of a lot of people uh, like me from small towns who, uh, you know, uh, uh, in, in my city, art is still not looked at as a viable career option. So I'm sure a lot of us go through the kind of journey I have. Yeah, right. So um, if you had to like define cartoon, being a cartoonist as a profession, how would you define it? Like what well, does a cartoonist I'll borrow, mean to you? I'll borrow a quote from Raima Soprani, who's a Venezuela cart cartoonist in exile right now. She's in the US and she says that Cartoons are the barometer of freedom, and that really resonates with me. I think the job of cartoons is to reflect a country's mood in a given on a given day, and I think that's what uh, you know cartoons do very uh, quite beautifully, and that's what I try to do uh, within the sphere of the environment and you know ecology and and green matters. Right. 
Okay. So, I mean, there are so many cartoonists right now, especially as the shift from print to digital has happened online. You can see so many people. So like if you had right. to differentiate between an amateur cartoonist and a professional, would there be right. like, how would you differentiate the two? I still don't know where, which, which bracket I fall into. I still consider myself an amateur in so many, in so many ways. Uh, but yeah, I've been in, uh, I've been a cartoonist uh, in the print for well over 7 8 years now so i think it's a very exciting time to be a cartoonist because uh, you know the transition is happening at a breakneck speed and the print is dying a very slow but a definite death and uh, for some someone like me who has uh, always has who's always had his idols in the print media it is very difficult to adapt to the web suddenly you know because you uh, I, i think guys from Uh, artists from my generation are yet to figure out how to uh, adapt their work work online and i frankly it is something that i am struggling with i really enjoy being in the print i really enjoy uh, being read in the print and the fact that uh, my columns especially with the hindu which is india's uh, uh, second most uh, read newspaper reaches a lot of, you know a many number of people who are uh, who probably don't use a platform like instagram but at the same time uh, you know expanding uh, on the web is also something that is inevitable given the way information is consumed today so uh, and a, a, a lot of young artists i know are doing it uh, brilliantly they're using platforms like uh, patreon and uh, you know many of these uh, individual patronage models to uh, to fund their work and it is working working out wonderfully for them and uh, i think the sooner people like me uh, obsolete people like me figure that out the better it is for for our art as well uh, but yeah having said that it, it's it's a very interesting time to uh, you know try and exploit the newer avenues that are available to you as you might al- already know about uh, you know art expanding into the crypto uh, sphere and yeah. as as non fungible tokens and you know that's something frankly I, i i have no understanding of and i think the sooner i understand the better it is for for my series as well right that's quite insightful uh so i had this question around like you moved from say you were trying you were becoming a dentist and then you came into cartooning and even in cartooning you have this specific interest of wildlife conservation and yeah. topics some topics relating around politics right so where did this personal mission of like creating a visual identity for wildlife uh, conservation like root from again uh, wildlife was a dominant interest which uh, triggered into action after i started uh, you know knowing more about uh, about nature and uh, after that i i felt a a need to uh, have some kind of a muse a constant muse uh, i have dabbled as a cartoonist considerably i've tried politics i've tried making cartoons on bollywood and social issues but i never quite found my feet and it was only after i started drawing about wildlife that uh, you know i could sense that my work is taking a certain direction and that so uh, over time you know i also realized that uh, uh, not much creative communication was happening in terms of putting putting out information about conservation and that's where people like me needed to step in uh, not just cartoons but also you know maybe animation uh, there are a lot of interesting explainer videos that you can find on uh, about ecology uh, and also uh, matters pertaining to the intersection between environment and and government and how you know uh, politics comes into play with uh, with conservation so these are issues that uh, laymen do not actively engage with and these are issues that need to be put out uh, in interesting ways to catch people's attention and that was something i wanted to do, try to do with cartoons 
and so over time it became a sort of a symbiotic association between me and my muse which is wildlife uh, and uh, and yeah i think it has developed in ways that uh, i would call very interesting yeah absolutely i mean it's it's a pleasure to just read comics and get to know about so much just through one like illustration so talking about research method methodologies and all this scientific jargon that you're representing through your art could you tell us a little bit about what sort of uh, research method do you follow like before reaching the end product it's very random frankly it depends on what kind of work it is for so um, for example a comic strip could result for, for, from actually having seen a, a species uh, out in the open on a nature trail or a bird walk and then you know getting fascinated by it and finding out more about it uh, and eventually wanting to draw something uh, around it uh, if it's a project that i am commissioned for say uh, i do a lot of uh, posters and infographics and maps especially uh, for forest departments and organizations that are involved in conservation so for those maps a field visit is almost always mandatory and uh, you know that's something i uh, take up uh, on principle because i think there is no substitute for first hand information gathering uh and that's how you know uh, a composite project results uh, from uh, from field visits from taking pictures of things from actually gathering data yourself what kind of birds what kind of animals are found in the given area what kind of communities reside there and how they interact with the natural resources available to them and how they are involved in the conservation of a, of a given place and how uh, their relationship with with the authorities are so you know there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, information to figure out first then collate and uh, represent it as as illustrated material so it's a lot of homework it's a lot of field work uh, and uh, and of course uh, taking you through some of my recent projects like the book i have recently come out with naturalist study it's actually uh, you know reading very boring scientific papers and then figuring out how to tell them how to retell them as uh, detective stories so so it's it's really a very random process and it varies from project to project right so um, have you ever like like you said you read research papers and then you had to if there was some sort of a collaboration you had to talk to them or right. field visits as such so have you ever had the opportunity to collaborate with scientists as well oh absolutely i do a lot of work with scientists in fact uh, most of my uh, commission projects uh have been in conjunction with uh, with scientists or teams of scientists that have uh, worked on a given animal that that the project speaks about or a given area that the project speaks about this year particularly i've done a lot of projects with the save our seas foundation which is based in south africa and uh, uh i've done illustrated compilations of habitats of different places where they their uh, science units uh, work uh, one of them uh, my my most recent illustration was that of antarctica uh they have hmm. a field station in the antarctic peninsula where uh, i got to interact with uh, scientists who are actually working on conserving penguins and a lot of other wildlife in in antarctica and draw a composite habitat illustration of the place so so yeah a lot of uh, my work happens in conjunction with with scientists okay so uh like how was your experience working with like these scientists collaborating with them understanding their research because of course like you said it's quite heavy and converting it into simpler forms might be a task right so like how yeah, how, and how did you even approach these scientists frankly i find reading science papers really boring so if uh, something okay. is uh, 
uh, translated uh, into uh, say an interesting conversation for me uh, you know i i'm uh, i get involved in that project uh, i get invested in that project so for example uh, an illustration required me to read a paper about orcas and how they uh, pass on their language and their dialect uh, to their future generations to their to their progeny and i i understood nothing out of reading that paper then uh, there was this scientist called jenny ray who's one of the leading researchers of killer whales in the world and she took me through that entire paper uh, on a video call and and that's how i you know my interest also peaked and uh, that's how i got i i think it was only because of that conversation that i could do justice to that particular illustration so it's uh, i've always said that i've always described myself as a person with very low iq which is why uh, drawing also becomes something that helps me retain and learn new things and you know it's an interesting association with uh, with the kind of work i do because uh, it uh, if it's helping somebody like me retain and learn new things i hope it is also uh, helping my audience or my my readership right um so you just talked about a lot of maps that you have worked on and that you have to do a lot of field research so uh, there are so many incredible maps that you've already made but there was this one particular map um, the wildlife map of bhutan if i'm not wrong which had yeah. not just uh, information about wildlife but also monuments and a lot of other things so could you just take That's us right. through the process as to how you make these maps and illustrations what all goes in sure So I'll give you the example of Bhutan itself. Uh, this was for WWF in Bhutan, and uh, it was a project I I myself pitched to the team because I wanted to visit Bhutan and uh, you know understand the country, uh, especially in terms of its ecology. So I pitched the project to WWF Bhutan, and immediately they uh, showed interest. Uh, within a month's time, I was in Bhutan, and I spent uh, I had the pleasure of uh, spending a week there and trekking through some very interesting places, uh, very interesting forests. now uh, and uh, during my field visit i came to know uh, a lot of things about bhutan and the way the country is governed it has a gross happiness index it's it it has a constitutional uh, clause to maintain over 70% of its area under forest cover which is phenomenal for a country that size of course there are many nit- political nitigrities that uh, you know around this uh, this clause but uh, the gist is that conservation is at the core of uh, you know being bhutanese and that was something i wanted to reflect in the map as well and so uh, a lot of their uh, their culture a lot of their you know history architecture mythology is all very uh, very intertwined with nature and uh, you know the, the, there is a lot of folklore that revolves around a lot of uh, animals even their national animal the takin is the source of a lot of uh, mythological stories and folklore so these are things that i wanted to reflect in the map as well and uh wwf also had the vision to make this illustration uh not exclusive to their own organization but also uh, you know a download, downloadable and usable format across the country so uh, they had kept it open uh, for for every bhutanese citizen to download and use wherever they like and eventually uh, uh, the then prime minister of bhutan sharing topge had actually uh, printed and inaugurated the map uh, uh, on the on, on the prince's on the occasion of the prince's birthday so it was a project that got a lot of traction in a country like bhutan which meant a lot for uh, somebody like me because uh, it was one of the projects that i myself had pitched to an organization and you know to have uh, born fruit like that meant meant a lot to me so this kind of research this kind of uh, you know uh, interaction and first hand information gathering uh, i think goes a long way in creating an illustration 
right that's that's very interesting and i mean that map is just phenomenal like i love it thank you thank you yeah uh, so so another thing i uh, was wondering was like have you ever felt the need to consciously maintain a balance between humor and science like has one of them overshadowed the other at any point yeah i i'm more uh, i think i incline more towards uh, the humor part of my work rather than science but i uh, i have to work hard to maintain uh, to not take certain liberties like uh, i have to ensure that at least the the trivia or the facts i'm presenting are not distorted are always verified and uh, you know are backed with uh, some kind of information that is published and published in a verifiable source so uh, that is one that i think that's a responsibility that somebody like me must uh, take up uh but having said that i i i do push my limits whenever i can uh a, a, a good example is a lot of uh, biology revolving around indian wildlife has actually been uh, converted into uh i'd say semi fiction because it is through the eyes of a mongoose uh whatever he is observing actually does happen in nature but it is through the life and the the eyes of a fictional mongoose so you know yeah. a, a lot of my work falls into this category which cannot really be defined as non fiction or fiction it's uh, it it falls somewhere midway and you know uh, uh, yeah it's 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 an interesting uh, border to to take your work on right so uh, talking about simplification uh so what's your approach to convey all this scientific jargon in a simplified way to like ensure that there's clear communication uh to the audience like i said uh, i i i always look at uh, cartooning as something that helps me retain and understand what i'm trying to present to my audience so if it is palatable to me and if it makes me smile uh you know it it goes through the editing table uh, where the editor is me of course i have editors above me for for my columns and for my books but uh, the first stage of editing is, is through me and my criteria is that i should be able to retain and understand what i'm presenting right. so so yeah it's it's really as simple as that okay um so how do you ensure that your work i mean with times changing so many cartoonists coming up and being a topic which is very sensitive to detail like wildlife how do you make sure that your work remains contemporaneous and like it, it stays appealing to the younger masses as well I don't think I'm be, I'm doing a good job at it frankly uh, <laughs> I I think I'm a little obsolete uh, I don't know what hashtag fomo means I don't know what uh, I'm so new to Instagram I, it's been 4 years and I still have a lot of trouble figuring out uh, you know this Instagram life for example I had I had to uh, go through so many stages to uh, to uh, oh, make no. this work and and uh, yeah i still don't know what a boomerang is I, there's so much to figure out really and it's quite intimidating for me but uh, and yeah i am a grumpy old man who can't get on with the times but i'm trying i hope that uh, whatever <laughs> i come up with has been relatable for people young people like you and young artists like you uh, and yeah i'll i'll keep at it for as long as uh, i think i uh, uh, i am invested enough to find out about more about things like fomos and boomerangs <laughs> right um so uh, as a cartoonist could you talk a little bit about any challenges or setbacks that you might have faced oh so many uh i think the first one was to get my publishers to take me seriously get my readers to take me seriously because when i started out i i don't think this was a topic that 
you know, uh, it, it was hard for me to find a serious leadership. Uh, earlier, it was only scientists and people who worked with ecology who read my work. But uh, after I, I, I made some headway with newspapers, it was then that I started to amass a readership that was from diverse backgrounds and, uh, you know, various walks of life. Then uh, an expansion into social media happened because of a platform like Instagram and uh, there was a lot more engagement with my, with my content. I hate to call it content, but that's how uh, the world knows it today. Uh, with my series, for the lack of a better word. And, uh, and yeah, so one thing has led to another. And I think uh, it's been an interesting journey because uh, I've, uh, I've uh, experienced the effectiveness of different platforms. And when they all come together, it does result in, uh, in a lot of uh, interest and in a lot of engagement with your work. Right. So, um, like you said, that you have moved from print media or like print towards like digital quite recently. So, have you experienced any sort of trolling or like hatred or like hate comments? If yes, like how do you deal with that on something which is based uh, on facts? Yeah, I think this is something I experience day in and day out. Uh, in the print, I would say there is a readership that is actually, uh, you know, genuinely interested in your work. So the kind of feedback I receive from readers from in the print is uh, tends to be more often than not very productive, you know, and very constructive. And uh, the kind of feedback I receive online is uh, a lot of trolling, is a lot of negative, uh, you know, engagement with uh, with my content. Uh, but of course, there are there are uh, readers who who do take the trouble of uh, you know deciphering and understanding. Uh, my comics and and then engaging with it. So uh, it's a it's a mixed bag, but of course trolling happens only online. It does not result from from the print usually, and uh, it is something that uh, you know you have to figure out uh, a way to deal with as an artist today in today's times. I think it's much worse for for women who draw about politics, especially, and you know I, I can't even imagine what they go through. But for somebody like me, it's relatively easier to develop a thick skin and you know just move on. Uh, because I do not get personal comments, I do not get, uh, you know, personal attacks, uh, which pr uh, probably a lot of women, I women artists, I know face. So, so yeah. That's good to know, and also not. I mean, yeah. So, uh, while depicting sensitive themes of any sorts, uh, how do you make sure that you stay wary of your own prejudices to not reflect what your opinions are? Well, this is a very interesting question uh, because I, I have gone through these, these situations a lot of times. Uh, I remember there was a, 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 a cartoon I drew, drew about uh, pronouns recently. And, uh, you know, this, this wasn't something I myself understood very well. So I actually consulted a cousin of mine who happens to be, uh, uh, have, happens to have a master's in gender studies. And she took me through, you know, what is an appropriate way of representation, what is not. And uh, I came to know that a famous comedian had got, received a lot of flack from, for uh, saying something inappropriate about pronouns uh, recently. I do not follow stand-up comedy much, so I don't keep, you know, actively keep up with these things. But, but yeah, uh, consultation with experts in whatever sphere you're tackling always helps. And uh, I think uh, being, uh, having a low IQ works to my advantage because uh, consultation <laughs> often becomes imperative by not knowing about a lot of things. So, so you know, uh, I think that, that helps me learn more, more new things as well and also keeps me going. Okay. Uh, 
so yeah i was just asking that um with like slowdown in human activity during the pandemic especially yeah. and you working around something like wildlife has there been yeah. any sort of trend or how is the, how has this uh, anthropos that they call how has that affected your work or have you seen something change like in terms of news or the way that you're presenting your work during the pandemic well a lot of content has been uh, has started to be consumed digitally and i think that's uh the the pandemic has definitely uh, brought about the death of the print and you know this is something that is affecting people like me who depend on the print media for uh for taking their, their careers forward so this is a moment of realization for artists from my generation that you cannot subsist entirely on the print media uh, i've also lost a lot of projects that depended on travel uh, a lot of uh, you know the maps and the work i do with forest departments depends on travel and i i could not take up a lot of projects during the lockdowns so i did end up losing a lot of work but then uh, uh, it's also taught me that uh, you need to actively tap into multiple avenues and keep them going so for example uh, while i could not take up travel related assignments it was the sale of merchandise that kept me gro- going uh, you know and this is, unfortunately these are things that artists who even speak about things like sustainability and conservation need to depend on because this is the reality of art you know you you have to uh, as an artist in, especially in, in india you have to depend on something like merchandise to keep you going when when times are tough when there's a lockdown and you can't take up uh, you know meaningful work so uh, it has taught me to be uh, practical be pragmatic and uh, keep tapping into as many avenues that are available to you and that that you think do can do justice just justice to your work right but um, also in particular like because the human activity reduced quite a bit because of the pandemic and the lockdown and everything right. there were quite right. a few news regarding birds migrating or there is like dolphins being spotted in yeah. the ocean and right. things like right. that so in particular to wildlife was there anything yeah. like was there like a change in the co- kind of content again that you created just during this covid time you know actually uh, all, most of the news items that revolved around uh, wildlife being spotted in uh, in in the vicinity of a city birds migrating to a certain place okay. all of this was actually always happening it was just because people had nothing else to do that they started to notice uh, oh. you know uh, these kind of developments and news started uh, making the rounds but if you actually look at the science behind it all of this has always been happening and we have been too busy to pay attention uh, speaking about how it has affected my work yes uh, natural study again is the result of a lockdown uh, and you know it was the, the whole idea came about after i was locked in and i could not uh, you know go birding to an exotic location or chase uh, you know exotic species and i was locked in and i was uh, forced to explore my own backyard and that's when i started to take active interest in uh, the lives of insects the lives of uh, lizards spiders things that i hadn't paid paid attention to before and then i i it struck me how little i know about my own vicinity about my own surroundings and uh, that's something i really needed to explore and you know a project is the best excuse for me to to learn more about about new things and that's how you know naturalist study happened uh, i became a detective in my own backyard which ultimately translated to the detective mangoes exploring the forest around him okay it's quite interesting uh so have you ever had the chance to witness your work creating an impact in society 
Thankfully, yes, uh, there have been quite a few occasions. Uh, a lot of the posters that uh, come out with forest departments, uh, you know, they these are a part of uh, souvenir shops, nature interpretation cent centers in national parks, and uh, they they are read by uh, both tourists and locals alike. And uh, in 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 in, uh, in a lot of events like the Hornbill Festival that happens in Arunachal, I have had the chance to actually interact with communities that have read my work uh, uh, and you know attended my workshops and the kind of impact that it, that it has on them for example uh, my map of pocket tiger reserve was being discussed at, at this event and there were kids who were actually looking out for their homes on the map the 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 areas where they live in and what kind of wildlife is found there so i think that builds a sense of pride and ownership uh, of that place in in that community and uh, and yeah i think uh, you know it's, it's been a very positive engagement uh, uh, by and large, there have been instances where people have written to me that uh, you know they've given up civet coffee or they've given up uh, the idea of exotic pets and even given up collecting seashells after reading my work. And that that means a lot because uh, to to even create a small impact uh, actually means that your work has saved the life of one wild animal. And you know that that's a significant small step. Absolutely, that's must feel. You must feel must, very proud sometimes. I mean, I, I like know, just the I fact really that somebody like is not. Have, yeah, yeah, I would really sorry, like to have on. more such tangible impacts of my work in future. That I mean, yeah, definitely, that's what I'm yeah. So, um, since these cartoons that you make, they're highly educational. They're telling us a lot about a lot of things. So, are there any plans to make these cartoons and illustrations in regional languages as well? Oh yeah, it's already on. Uh, I published with Chakmak, which is a Hindi magazine that comes out of Bhopal. So every okay. month, uh, one of my comics is uh, translated to Hindi and published in the magazine. A lot of my work with the forest departments uh, and even in local NGOs is translated into regional languages. Uh, one of the books I did called Making Friends with Snakes is available in 14 languages across India. And, uh, and yeah, oh, there wow. will be more such uh, endeavors in future. That's amazing. So, um, one big question, like, so what's the next big thing coming up for Green Humor? Are there any plans or what's coming up? I really wish I could sound heroic and uh, give you, <laughs> uh, describe a lot of grand projects to you, but that's not the case. I think I've worked uh, sufficiently hard this year and I, I think I need a break next year. And that's what I'll be doing. I, I need to replenish my grey matter because uh, uh, I... I depend a lot on reading, on watching films, on on uh, going out for uh, for my own explorations to come up with new stuff. And I think uh, I need uh, I need to slow down at this juncture and replenish uh, whatever is in my brain. So I think next year is going to be slow for me. Sorry, like, that was a real bummer to your question, but that's that's no that's no no not at all, not at all. <laughs> Um, so I had a question specific to censorship. So has it ever happened that censorship served as a barrier in your work? Uh, it, uh, yeah, of course, it, every cartoonist, every, every, every person who deals with humor or anything, uh, you know, controversial or political today has to, uh, you know, uh, try and figure out how to bypass or circumvent this, this, this obstacle that is censorship. And I think, uh, it's also the mark of, uh, say, uh, an intelligent artist uh, to find a, a creative way around it. And that's something, uh, I, I mean, it is an obstacle, but it's also an exciting challenge. 
the, mm. that you live in a country that uh, that actively tries to censor your work and uh, tries to tries to censor censor the ways in which you present the point of your work. So. Uh, and and you know uh, you're from NID, so you will relate with the fact that illustration is nothing but a visual way of solving problems. So if that problem is censorship, it is up to us to also try and figure out a creative way to to circumvent that barrier. And you know it, it becomes uh, an interesting tug of war between artists and and the authorities. Of course, I wish it wasn't the case, but these are the realities of of today. Right. Um, so we'll just take the questions. We have some questions from the audience. We'll sure. just take those up for now. Yeah. Uh, one second. Yeah, so this question is by Nitya. She's asking, what would be your advice for someone who wants to get into this area of working around or for nature? Uh, does she mean uh, as an artist or generally? Yeah, I think as an artist. I'll just well, switch on the uh, comments. Yeah. I'm really the wrongest person to be giving advice. I've had so many career mishaps, but uh, let's see. I think if, uh, you need to actively daydream and uh, you need to let your mind wander and uh, you need to be curious. I think that's the, yeah, that's the simplest advice I can give you. I, I hope that answers your question, Nitya. I know it does um, not. <laughs> One second. So, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing the name wrong. Nishoi asks, Hi, amazing work. Just wanted to know the software or supplies that you started with. Oh, uh, I still use Adobe Photoshop and a very simple drawing tablet uh, into a draw. Uh, I started with that and I still use it. Okay, uh, the next question is, one second. Oh, uh, this is not a question, but Sharif Kamar says, my four-year-old loves me reading and explaining your cartoons. Really good work. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Your four-year-old has good, good taste in cartoons. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, this is a similar question. Um, what visual media apps do you use? I think we've already answered that. Yeah, I can that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, all right. Uh, that's about it for the questions. If you guys have any other questions, please feel free to put it in the uh, question box. We'll take them up as they come. So uh, another question I had was, uh, wh why did you move? Like you said that you moved from animation to cartoon making. So yeah. what was the reason of this change? How did you find your niche? I think I'm giving away a lot of my weaknesses by means of answering your questions, but I'm, I think I have to be honest here, so I'll tell you this. Uh, I'm a bad team player. I'm, I cannot function in teams very well. And I think uh, I work a lot better individually. And I think that is something that deterred me from filmmaking and animation, because it needs you to work with large teams. And quite often I, I ended up not seeing eye to eye with my directors, my editors, etc. And that led me, uh, that's one reason. The other reason is that I also believe a lot more in the power of a static medium rather than uh, something that is dynamic, something that flows. I think uh, a static medium like a cartoon or a panel cartoon uh, allows my readers to form their own opinions. 
it encourages them to form their own opinions rather than rather than feeding them with an opinion which i think video or animation or film tends to do and i think that's that's also why i prefer being a an artist in a static medium rather than a dynamic medium all right uh, we have a question from messworks.co how did you establish the distinct illustration style that you have i must first thank uh, messworks for uh, doing the caricature of me it was it was really cool uh, thanks so much for that and it means a lot that an nid student uh, uh, took up the task of drawing me now well uh, distinct illustration style isn't something that happens overnight it just develops over a very long time and you know uh, it actually if i can be honest again it actually began by me copying a lot of the artists i admired and uh, eventually realize, realizing that copying is not really going to take me anywhere you know so uh, it was uh, adapting some features that i found interesting in the uh, uh, the work of various artists and then trying to figure out how best uh, you know it works works for me and i think the uh, the process of adaptation still continues you know you know uh, so even speaking about my uh, recent book naturalist study uh, the whole idea was actually uh, it actually came by uh, after reading slylock fox slylock fox is by bob weber it's a cartoon series about a detective fox and you know that's how the the inception of naturalist study happened and and it has taken its own form and its own shape as as an individual story but the genesis has has been somebody else's work uh, as as an influence or an uh, or, or a source of inspiration so i think uh, you know uh, developing a distinct style isn't something that happens overnight it takes you know months even years to to form but you as an artist you realize when it it has started to happen right i i hope that answered you um all right we have one more question it's by real anu kulkarni do you plan more books soon will we have ready 2.0 i don't think i'm i have any such plans such immediate plans right now of course i might do books in future that uh, on stories that interest me but uh, i can guarantee this is not going to happen next year all right um okay um so we'll uh, take up the questions as they come for now i have another question so uh, what is your process of developing humor like again with changing times the kind of humor that goes out it that also changes and like do you have you always been a humorous person like how do you develop no, that skill never uh, <laughs> my friends will tell you i'm i'm the grumpiest person they know and uh, you know it's it, humor is not something that comes naturally to me in day to day life it, uh, i think i have some kind of an alter ego that uh, is able to draw these cartoons for me and i'm quite thankful that that's the case uh, yeah and uh, i don't think uh, humor is something that uh, you need to work very hard on you know i mean if it comes to you it comes to you and uh, i mean you you need to have some kind of a flair for it because it's not something that uh, that is possible to learn drawing of course is possible to learn for for anybody even uh, creating cartoons is possible for everybody to learn but i think you need to have some kind of natural flair for humor and only then does it translate into uh, into cartoons uh, but having said that uh, yeah it is also a medium that needs to evolve with time that needs to uh, you know keep moving on with times and i think uh, 
um, reading helps a lot. Uh, exposure to pop culture helps a lot. I'm a person who's crazy about cinema. I, I keep exploring cinema from all around the world. I do not watch web series, I, but I still watch a lot of cinema. And uh, the fact that a lot of cinema from, from around the world is so accessible today, uh, you know, uh, actually helps me and even keeps me going in terms of uh, material that c could possibly influence future work or inspire something, uh, something new. Right. It's again, very, very interesting to know. I mean, I wouldn't have considered you not to be a humorous person. I mean, after looking at your comics. Okay. Yeah, we have another question. Uh, this is by Darshit Gohel. What is your take on politicizing cartoon or animation? What is my take on politicizing? I don't think there is any active politicization of art. If you're an artist, it's your job to politicize, to reflect politics in, in, in the medium. If you're not doing that, uh, I wouldn't call you a cartoonist. I would call you a greeting card designer, you know. So it's really as simple as that. Uh, okay, I hope that answered you, Dashit. Uh, we have one more question by Sagar. No, sorry. I'm sorry, I can't pronounce that. Uh, did the Amul holdings taking cues help you develop a style? What's your inspiration? So I think, what's your sources of inspiration while you work? I haven't particularly been inspired by Amul holdings, although I love some of their uh, advertisements. Uh, I have read the book by Raul Dacuna about how uh, Amul holdings did come into being. And it's, it's quite an interesting process about uh, the way they've built a brand out of, uh, you know, humorous visual art. But uh, but yeah, I think my sources of inspiration are very different. Uh, a lot of my work and humor are inspired by uh, the material I have read and grown up watching. Uh, some of the more prominent names among those are Gary Larson, the Far Side series, uh, Bill Watterson of Calvin and Hobbes, and Gendy Tartakovsky, who's uh, Dexter's Lab, and Samurai Jack are two of my fav most okay. favorite anim animation shows. All right. Uh, thanks, Rohan. Uh, another question I had was like, is there any word of advice that you'd like to give to the upcoming cartoonists or illustrators? Anything that you might have wanted to know when you I, started? I actually need advice from your generation because I'm <laughs> really struggling to expand into the web and adapt my work into uh, you know new online platforms. So I'm the one who needs advice right now, frankly. <laughs> OK. Uh, so talking about internet and expanding the work. Uh, if I'm not yeah. wrong, when Go Comics picked up Green Humor for syndication, that was the only uh, cartoon from India to, That's right. to be picked up by Go Comics, right? So how is, how is that to feeling? To be picked up by an international syndicate. I think, uh, yeah. yeah I, if I'm not wrong, it's still the only Indian series, but I okay, may be wrong. wrong. I, I haven't checked, it, checked this in a while. Uh, so yeah, it was an exciting moment in my career because, you know, it was uh, the kind of push I needed to have the kind of confidence in green humor to give up my day job, which is not something uh, I, I used to be an animator. And by the time, by that time, you know, it, it had starting to get very, get very mundane. I was only getting uh, corporate IT assignments uh, as an animator and I, I wasn't enjoying those. So Go Comics happened at a time when I needed a push to feel confident enough to take the plunge. And thankfully, you know, uh, a lot of uh, newspaper editors st started taking my series seriously. A, a, a lot of readers started taking uh, my series seriously after that. So it's be, it, it was a, a cusp, an, an interesting cusp, and a very important cusp in my career. 
Right. Um, yeah. So one more question I had was like we talked about humor and developing that skill of humor. So of course there's creative block with artists all the time. But is there something yeah. called a humor block or is there something specific that happens with cartoonists? Like now what how day. do I Okay, how do you how do you deal with Trust. it? How do you deal with the creative block? So when I started out and you know it happens every day okay every single day of my life and when I started out I thought that this is going to end my life this is going to be the end of my career once and for all and uh, over time I figured out that this is not really a disease it is a sign that you need to step back you need to listen to some music you need to go cook something nice you need to go take a walk with your dogs you need to go go watch a bird uh, singing about and you know it's just a sign for you to step back breathe pause and let uh life around you let uh, you know the world around you replenish what's in your head so i think it's just a matter of getting used to blocks and making friends with them i'm still struggling frankly i i don't i i sound a lot wiser than i actually am but uh, i'll get there talking about dog i hope murphy is fine i mean after that incident oh no i was referring to murphy's law my pets are called shishti and sakshi oh They okay okay the internet oh, wire but yeah everything's in in control now thanks for asking okay great um i had one last question so like you your journey has been from panels and now you're making books as well like it's been some time so was that jump difficult for you or how did you move from making panels to books and how is that journey no i still do panel cartoons i still do comic strips and i uh, i yeah. actually enjoy experimenting with uh, different formats a lot because uh, i see a lot of cartoons sticking to this a same singular format and it after a time it gets very repetitive so uh, i think that's hmm. one way for me to avoid getting into that trap has been to experiment with uh, various formats and thankfully uh, the different columns that i have uh, the different ongoing columns one is sunday midday one is the hindu uh, i published with round glass sustain which is an online by life magazine they all have different lengths and different formats uh, for me to work with and you know that that keeps uh, uh, the process of rotate, rotating things and playing around with things yeah. uh, very active and very uh, playful for me so so again it's 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 helped my work a lot uh, the uh, the space i have with go comics allows one for for a single panel uh i also okay. work with cartoon stock cartoon stock uh, tends to go for single panel cartoons so it's it's a, a very exciting challenge for me to figure out what kind of uh, scripts would work on a single a single panel and what kind of uh, uh, how i can lengthen lengthen uh, certain bits of information to present as four panel or or a sunday comic strip so it it's been uh, you know a, a a sort of an experiment that has also kept my series going right okay uh, so i had actually one more question so we talked about humor yeah. and science so there must have also been incidences when you might have to depict a serious topic but then again it's a cartoon yeah. so to depict it with humor so ha- have you ever had to compromise in that sense to depict a serious topic but using the humor that green humor stands for there are uh, i won't call it a compromise but a process of adaptation you know and i think uh, okay. there are uh, pieces uh, where i have had to be a lot more sensitive than i actually am and you know uh, 
say things like uh, depiction of uh, tribal views or, on conservation these are things that i uh, you know don't have much of an understanding of and i think uh, a tribal community would understand what they are conserving far better than an an urban one so in in depicting these kind of scenarios and situations you as an artist who hails from hails from a more urban background need to be sensitive about uh, you know what you're presenting and you can't just fool around with humor uh, frivolously it being a cartoonist is also a responsibility so uh, i do take that as, uh, that responsibility as seriously as i can and not be frivolous about uh, issues that tend to be uh, serious and sensitive uh, and yeah i i frankly don't look at it as a compromise on humor i i i would say it is adapting as an artist and uh, okay. somebody who solves uh you know problems visually yeah okay uh thanks thanks for the answer there was something i was wondering for quite some time like to manage such topics of politics and cartoon must be quite a challenge uh all right i think we have come to the end of the session uh it was great having you on bate thank you so much rohan for coming and i had a great Same time here, having this con- conversation with you all the best thanks, for really all that to come and, uh, to green hume No thanks so much for uh, taking the trouble to uh, to ask insightful questions and giving me uh, also in the process of answering your questions understand understanding my own work better and of course uh, like i said in the beginning uh, thank you for facilitating this backdoor entry into uh, nid and the world <laughs> no no it was a pleasure to have you rohan uh, thank you all right then all the best for everything that's coming uh, thanks so much to you we'll too. hope hopefully we'll see you soon thank you yeah Good day. All right bye have a good day